I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at BlueNile.com and remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. As Obi-Wan Kenobi once said, hello there, and he also said, 
Many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. My name is Joseph Scrimshaw. That is true from my point of view and hopefully yours too. Welcome to the Force Center Show Favorite Points of View. As I just said, this show is a part of the Force Center podcast feed in here on Force Center. We really like to celebrate Star Wars in all sorts of different ways. So what we do here on Favorite Points of View is ask Star Wars fans about a specific topic within Star Wars and then what their favorite thing of that topic is and why. Why do they love it? Are there any personal memories attached to it? Because sometimes we don't just love something because of what's on the screen. I would say that's a big part of it. But sometimes we also love something because it just leaps off the screen and into our hearts or our toy collections or both at the same time. So this episode, we are opening the toy boxes of our hearts, and we're going to talk bounty hunters, the bounty hunters who won the bounty of our hearts. So bounty hunters are a fun and fascinating topic because some fans absolutely love them, some fans can take or leave them, and a lot of the love, the specific kind of love, is very, very generational. And when I set out to ask these questions, I kind of had those preconceived notions. And from the answers I got, a lot of that did actually prove to be true. So it'll be interesting to see what you all think about bounty hunters after spending some more quality time with other people's bounty hunter faves. So these thoughts that you're about to hear come from some listeners on our Force Center Patreon page and our Force Center Facebook page. I asked them to share their favorite bounty hunter, why this character was their favorite, and some personal memories attached to the bounty hunter. How did the bounty hunter go deep under the surface? And I got a lot of expected answers and a few surprises. So let's put Captain Solo in the cargo hold and dive in. I don't know if that makes sense, but I had fun saying it. We are going to start with Commander Cloud. That's not a bounty hunter. It certainly could be. That is the name of one of the people who kindly contributed. Commander Cloud has this to say about favorite bounty hunters. As a preteen, what first drew me to Jango Fett was his design. That sleek armor, deadly ship, and of course his twin Westar 33 pistols made him look like the baddest bounty hunter in the galaxy. My parents gave me a 3 and 3 quarter inch Django with whipcord action and a matching slave one to put him in and I would spend hours pitting him against my gunship full of Jedi. His badassery would only rise when I played as him in the bounty hunter video game. That game had unlockable comics that detailed his origin, where I would come to appreciate the depth that his character has. Orphan, warrior, leader, Jedi killer, and finally, bounty hunter. By the time I was done reading every available Django story that the EU had to offer, I really did see him as a simple man just trying to make his way in the universe. Not simple in mind or skills, but simple in purpose, doing what he must to care for those who rely on him. Those are some great thoughts. Commander Cloud has a little bit more about his personal experience, but I wanted to personally interject to say I really appreciate this description of Django. I never got a chance to play that uh, Bounty Hunter Django game, so I sort of missed out on this depth of Django, but I always loved him in Attack of the Clones. 2002, when Attack of the Clones came out, I liked it more than uh, the vast majority of human beings I knew at the time. In Django, with his 
calm, stoic attitude in a mysterious desire to have a son that hinted at a much larger emotional life just really captured me. And man, Commander Cloud, uh, I was, uh, I think, older than you in 2002, but I am just writhing in envy at your gunship full of Jedi and your slave one with Jango because I did not have those. Here is what Commander Cloud has to say about some personal experiences. As for a personal experience... I was once in Disney with my family during Star Wars weekends. I got to see Tumor Morrison as he rode in the parade of characters and saw him again later signing autographs. The line for autographs was long, with people who had been queued up since before the park opened. You apparently needed a special pass to go meet him. I snagged a pre-printed headshot that they offered as a consolation prize and went on. Much, much later, we were leaving and he was still there, signing things, albeit with a smaller crowd now. With some prompting from family... I made my way to his table to see if he would sign the headshot they'd given me earlier. The Disney handlers obviously wouldn't allow anyone to approach him, so I waited at a distance. When he turned to me, I said hi and asked if he would sign the picture. He smiled graciously and signed it and then commented how he liked my shirt, which had Boba Fett on it. Starstruck, I could only smile and nod, and then, to my disbelief, he came around the table, turned me around and signed my shirt, and then took a picture with me. I, an adult man, can only describe my state as swooning with giddiness. And needless to say, Tamura Morrison cemented Django's place in my heart. Uh, that is a great story, Commander Cloud. I certainly can relate. That's amazing that you got to be starstruck while Django signed a picture of his son on your shirt. His son, Boba Fett. Beautiful, beautiful memories. And I truly feel that you honored the spirit of Django Fett by very, very politely uh, hunting this opportunity with Tamora Morrison. Great job, Commander Cloud. Thank you so much for sharing. We are going to move on to Stephen Kirkpatrick. Stephen says, My favorite bounty hunter would have to be Dengar, mostly because of all the ridiculous backstories my brothers and I would make up for him. Specifically, I remember a time playing the old Star Wars miniature game from Wizards of the Coast, and we had Dengar with a team of Jawas for no other reason than we thought it would be funny. I don't know if we ever learned the proper way to play that game, but we had our own house rules, and we followed them. It was me and my two brothers, so one of us would play as the Empire, one as the Rebels, and one as the Scum and Villainy. Ultimately, Dengar and his Jawas were able to defeat both the Rebels and Empire in a three-way fight, and our own personal headcanon of Dengar, King of the Jawas, began. And then Steven has added, smiley face. A smiley face of triumph for Dengar, King of the Jawas. That is very great. Uh, I feel like I have had an emotional roller coaster uh, with Dengar my entire life. Uh, I am of the age that grew up with the original trilogy, so uh, I had a relationship with seeing these bounty hunters on screen, certainly, but it was so much more about the action figures. It was about the trading cards. It was about pictures of them in uh, Empire Strikes Back books and all that stuff. We had a Dengar action figure. Uh, the Dengar was my brother's action figure, and I thought he looked pretty cool. But then as I got older, I was like, yeah, 
No, I mean, he, he does look like he has had perhaps a traffic accident on the way to uh, the executor. Uh, so there's been push and pull for me with Dengarov. I really liked him when I was a kid. Then everybody made fun of him, and I enjoyed making fun of him. And now I just kind of love him because he is, to me, one of the best examples of an incredibly minor character. You pretty much have to pause the film and look for Dengar to see him in the actual movie, but he lives in our hearts because of adventures like Steven and his brothers had giving life to Dengar. I know there's plenty of other stories you can find, but man, I'm going to put up there my favorite stories of Dengar is him defeating the rebels and the Empire with nothing but grit in Jawas at his side. Thank you for that, Steven. We are going to move on. Dave B., Here's what Dave B. has to say. Cad Bane is my favorite bounty hunter. You're not going to be alone on that, Dave B. Spoiler. In fact, he's one of the few bounty hunters that ever intrigued me. I was born in 1981, but I didn't become a huge Star Wars fan until the Clone Wars show. When Cad Bane showed up, his skill with weapons, setting traps, and in some cases, outsmarting the Jedi chasing him blew me away. Who is this extraordinary person who can hang with the Jedi? And he has a lair with crazy traps that he's willing to blow up on a whim. And he has an awesome hat and double blasters. Okay, I'm sold. This bounty hunter is truly awesome. His sense of style, the blue skin, great voice work by Corey Burton, all impeccable. Dave B. goes on to say, I don't really have any specific memories of Cad Bane to speak of. It was just a great time in my Star Wars fandom where I really connected with the animation of the Clone Wars show and it grew my intrigue enough to consume as much Star Wars as possible from that point forward. I'd love to create some new Cad Bane memories in the future if he shows up again. Very exciting stuff. Great uh, great thoughts, Dave B., because I do, I think, uh, sometimes because of my own bias, of my own personal experience, concentrate on the toys a lot. Uh, some other people coming up here are going to have their own toy memories as well. But I think it is, uh, one of the reasons I like doing this show is to remember to think about it from lots of different perspectives. And sometimes these characters are just alive on the screen. Cad Bane is one of those characters that comes up a lot that uh, people who have any inclination to like the bounty hunters, he is kind of the epitome of the bounty hunters because he looks cool, he sounds cool, he can hang with the Jedi, as you say, Dave B. And I like him because he is symbolic to me of the one of the powers of the Clone Wars. I feel like George Lucas got to make the original trilogy, he got to make the prequel trilogy, he got to do lots of cool things. But then in the Clone Wars animated show, because it was animated, he really got to explore all of these different parts of the galaxy that he had created with the help of so many other people and just crawl in and really celebrate them. And when I see Cad Bane on screen in the Clone Wars, Cad Bane feels to me like what I imagined Boba Fett could and should be when I was a kid. And to see George Lucas be able to just go like, hey, this is what I was thinking about when I was thinking of bounty hunters. I was thinking about somebody who sounded like this, who looked cool, who felt cool, who was merciless and had a mission and was going to do it no matter what, had a Western vibe that both Cad Bane and I would argue Boba Fett share. Uh, So it's really great to just think of the power of Cad Bane all by himself right there on the screen. Thank you so much for sending that in, Dave B. We are going to move on to Laura Martin. Laura says, I'd like to give a shout-out to Zam Wessel. Not only was she dangerous and deadly... 
but she was also a shapeshifter. That was something I had never seen in Star Wars, and I was excited by the possibilities. It was such a shame she was killed so quickly because I would have loved to see more of the character, but what I really love about her is her costume. The color, the details, the accessories. If I had any talent as a cosplayer, I would cosplay as Zam. Laura goes on to say, Speaking from my own personal experience as a female Star Wars fan, I can tell you there weren't a ton of characters for me to pretend to be when I was growing up. I had, like, two options. Then Phantom Menace came out and things started to get better, but what I really wanted to see was a girl be the bad guy, because sometimes it's just a lot of fun to play it being the villain. When I saw Zam, I was like, yes, finally! Had Attack of the Clones come out when I was a kid, I would have had a lot of fun pretending to be her when playing outside with my brothers. P.S. I know that technically we see Aura Singh first, but at the time I didn't know she was supposed to be a bad guy. So to me, Zam was the first female villainous character I saw on screen, and I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, I'm going to agree with you, Laura. You obviously have an experience that I don't have. I had that experience a little bit just from the other perspective of uh, when I was a kid and and had times where there were um, uh, young women in the neighborhood or on the playground and I wanted to play Star Wars. It was uh, Princess Leia or done. Uh, No one ever suggested playing Mon Mothma, which, you know, I really wish they'd had. So uh, that's really great to hear your perspective. Uh, For me growing up with the bounty hunter, and an excitement of the prequels was, okay, well, movies have evolved a lot. We can see Jedi in action. Maybe we'll see bounty hunters a little bit more in action. So when I saw that midnight showing of Attack the Clones, and not only did we have Jango Fett, but we had Zam Wessel being a very active bounty hunter, being on screen and actually, you know, shooting and racing and shape-shifting and all that, I thought it was really, really awesome, and I still do to this day. Thank you so much, Laura. We are going to move on to Alden Diaz. Alden has some great, deep thoughts, but in, I think, the true spirit of Force Center, he has a small preamble first. Uh, Alden says, This is an interesting one for me personally, because the bounty hunter corner of the Star Wars galaxy hasn't ever really been my home. But after a lot of thought, my favorite bounty hunter is IG-11. While being a very recent addition to the story, IG-11 resonated with me on a deep thematic and personal level. On the surface of it all, I wasn't expecting much because I never connected with IG-88. I just figured it would be but a simple homage to his enduring popularity. But once I experienced Taika's performance under the direction of Filoni, Chow, and, well, uh, himself, I was sold. IG-11 has an innocence to him that I never expected, a simplicity that's very Lucas. But at the same time, it's mixed with a matter-of-fact darkness that I love. He doesn't presume any greatness about himself like other hunters do, in my opinion. He's just dedicated to the cause, and if that means destruction, so be it. I admire how he's written to be that driven, even when that cause is evil. His default strategy is just to take himself out to make sure the overall plan isn't interfered with. And that is very millennial humor. It's the guess I'll die meme brought to life. Seeing that running gag in the first chapter had me laughing out loud at 3am when the episode dropped here. But it's when he reprogrammed as a nurse that it really gets me. 
My mom's a nurse, and I don't think they get a lot of representation in sci-fi fantasy. I love the emphasis on that transformation and training, beautifully directed and performed, the beauty of visual storytelling, and a killer monologue. Thanks, Nick Nolte. And it brings the redemptive themes of Star Wars to the forefront and shows us how powerful caregivers can be with the same dedication he had when he was in the Hunter's Guild. Who didn't cheer when he saved the child and zoomed into town, guns blazing? Brilliant dichotomy there with a great ending. So overall, my personal memory with IG is the realization of how he encapsulates so much of the material across all eras of Star Wars. If he had a recipe, I see him as classic-inspired, with the soul of the Disney-era droids, plus a helping of one of my favorite comedic voices, and a dash of appreciation for my mom. And with all of this said, it's been a long overdue addition to my Star Wars experience. As a prequels kid who always leaned heavy into the Force lore over everything else, it's cool to say I do feel like I have a window into the bounty hunter side of the fandom. Finally, some scum in villainy that I feel is mine. That is great, Alden. Very well said. I just love that I can read somebody's perspective on Star Wars, and not only is it uh, different from mine, but it adds to mine, and it includes the words, Thanks, Nick Nolte. When I was growing up with Star Wars, I did not think that I would ever encounter a reason that was Star Wars-related to say, Thanks, Nick Nolte, and yet, here we are in this beautiful time. I agree with everything Alden is saying. IG-11 is a great example of what Star Wars can do best. Uh, start with tip of the iceberg storytelling. Just IG-88. He looked cool. There was a lot of expanded universe uh, stories about him. He was terrifying in the Shadows of the Empire video game. But for from Alden's perspective, he, he was aesthetic. Uh, there wasn't a lot there. But now we take that inspiration and we grow and something else uh, comes along under the surface and suddenly this new IG, IG-11, inspired by IG-88, is powerful and new. Also, shout out to all the people who are still big IG-88 fans and the adventures that he had back in the day. There's enough IGs for all of us in Star Wars. We are going to take a quick break, and we will be right back for more favorite bounty hunters. Hey, Force Center fans, don't forget, Force Center is on YouTube. Head over there to catch up with our new show, Star Wars Show and Tell. Joseph, Jennifer, Ken, and special guests sit down and share favorite items from their own Star Wars memorabilia collections. Plus, there's the In Memoriam video series, Encore presentations of Databank Brawl and special programming all there for you and more shows on the way. It's Force Center on YouTube. Check it out. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want Salon Perfect Nails for just $2 a manicure. 
Yeah, me too. With the Alvin June Manny system, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny system with code PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at BlueNile.com and remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. And like Boba Fett probably blasting out of that Sarlacc in both modern canon and Legends continuity, we are back. So we are going to move on to Will Dixon. Here's what Will Dixon has to say. While I am an over-40 original trilogy generation adult who loves the entire Empire Strikes Back lineup, my son's love of Embo has caused him to rocket up the ranks over the past few years, and now a 10-year-old boy and his 42-year-old dad agree that Embo is the coolest bounty hunter of them all. I am a huge Kurosawa fan and shared several of those films with my son as well, so the fact that Embo is a space samurai who comes from a race of aliens named after Kyozu, the greatest swordsman of the Seven Samurai, is an added bonus. As for a personal memory of Embo, we have the Clone Wars line toy of him with his removable hat, and I proudly watch my son routinely pair him with Cad Bane to storm the current galactic slate of figures. I did the same with my Boba Fett Boskin 4LOM as a kid, and it's great to see the connections to our favorites move into the next generation. It's at this point where I will ruin his game by grabbing the Crimson Corsair and Zori Bliss and rudely enter play from above. That is so great to hear this very specific generational tale that is uh, about a father and son. It's Star Wars acted out right in Will Dixon's home with his son. That's great. Uh, I don't have a son, but I do 
have a similar bounty hunter path as Will. I am a big fan of the original Empire Strikes Back lineup uh, because of my general age and disposition, but Embo captured my heart when I watched the Clone Wars, and I'm very, very lucky to have that Embo action figure. Uh, it was a recent gift from a great Force Center supporter, first-rate Nate. As I'm recording, I set up a couple action figures to look at me, and one of them is Embo. He's staring at me with his cool eyes and his cool hat, and he's just so damn cool. When I got that action figure, uh, I showed him to my wife, Sarah, who has watched the uh, Clone Wars with me, and I was like, do you remember Embo? Do you remember how cool he is? Look at his hat. He can do so much with that. He can throw it. He can use it as a shield. He can use it to basically snowboard after Anakin Skywalker on Scipio. It is amazing, and he is amazing. So I need to take a deep breath and stop uh, getting so excited about Embo so we can move on. Thank you for sharing that great thought, Will Dixon. We are going to move on to Jake Hart. Jake says, my favorite bounty hunter is the Mandalorian himself, Din Djarin. Even though he is the newest, he's had the most impact on me. Since first seeing the bounty hunters in The Empire Strikes Back on my VHS tape, I've always been fascinated with them. The swashbuckling adventures, the mystery, their morally gray code, and the sense of western genre about them. Din Djarin, however, was really the first to do something that moved me emotionally as we follow him on his journey doing all the cool bounty hunter stuff and kicking ass to trying to escape his old ways while also learning fatherhood and growing into something more each week i eagerly waited for a new episode of mando to see what badass moves he would do and find some more emotional resonance with this new beloved character Jake, that is so extremely well said, both your summary of what makes bounty hunters cool going way back to Empire Strikes Back and the absolute power of The Mandalorian in season one of, uh, of Mandalorian. I keep thinking of it as kicking ass for kindness. He is tough, but he is doing it for a reason. He is doing it for the child and sometimes early on, just to get by in a tough galaxy. Here's what Jake has to say about personal memories. The significant memory I have of bounty hunters is that when I was growing up living by a beach, it always helped me fly off into my imagination and pretend it was Tatooine. My friends and I would reenact the sail barge scene, and they would all fight who wanted to be Luke Skywalker, but I always chose Boba Fett just because he always looked cool. People ask about Star Wars. Are you here for the lore or here for the war? I say, I'm here for the scum and villainy. There you go. Jake has felt a deep connection to bounty hunters for many a year and has only grown with this great new bounty hunter, Mando. They all hate you, Mando. That's what Grief Karga says, but by the end, we all love the Mando. We are going to move on to Kai Thatch. Kai is one of the several people who answered with this popular bounty hunter. Cad Bane is my favorite bounty hunter because of how cool he is. In my opinion, he gets the closest to the classic western vibe with his brimmed hat, superior blaster skills, and that gravelly voice. The Duro species has always been one of my favorites too because they look most like traditional aliens I pictured growing up. Cad Bane is my embodiment of a space cowboy. That is a great description of Cad Bane. I will also throw out the, the, the chewing on the space pick. It's great. It's great. It's just full of attitude and good for flicking. 
So Kai goes on to share something really interesting, really great. I'm so glad that he shared this. Here's what he has to say. Going a different way with personal memories, I do not like Bosk at all because of bad memories associated with snakes. When I was a kid, we went camping a lot. One time, my older sister and I found a rattlesnake. My sister is terrified of snakes, and she freaked out. Her reaction scared me more than anything, and that fear of snakes trickled down to me. I still do not like snakes, and when I saw Bosk the first time, I felt uneasy because of the bad snakehead man. <laughs> then during Clone Wars, my worst nightmare came true when there was a whole episode of Trandoshan Hunters. Not saying I wish there wasn't a Bosk or that any of these species never existed. They are mostly bad guys, and it has fulfilled that purpose in my mind whenever I see them. This is so great. Uh, Bosk is one of my very, very favorites. Uh, I think he's he was one of those bad guys that somehow I could relate to. Um, but it's great to hear this different perspective that, yeah, if, if it looks scary to you because of a personal experience... That totally makes sense. I love thinking of Bosk as bad snakehead man. Uh, I remember a, a kind of similar thing when I was in, I want to think, fourth grade. We were showed, shown a terribly disturbing uh, PSA about drowning. And a, I think it was an old woman who drowned in a pool. And she turned blue. And then I was really, really frightened of any blue aliens for a little while because they looked like the drowned lady that they showed me in fourth grade while I was trying to eat a fruit roll-up and terrified the crap out of me. Uh, so I can relate to seeing Bosk as just bad snakehead man. I do love Bosk. Maybe I'll say a little something about it. But first, let's go to our next entry. That is from Ben John Constantin. Or perhaps that is Ben John Costanton. I apologize if I get it wrong. I am a bad snakehead man. Anyway, this is what Ben has to say. Bosk is just cool, man. I grew up thinking Boba Fett was visually awesome, and watching the Clone Wars as I grew up, I freaking loved Cad Bane with his awesome hat and badass, well, everything. But there came a day last year when I bought a Black Series Bosk figure and he sat on my desk for a bit next to IG-88 and Boba, and I realized there's just something so awesome about him. Looking at him, I cast my mind back to growing up with Clone Wars and thinking how cool it was that we get to learn more about him, seeing him in action and his awesome voice. D. Bradley Baker is a master. It's one of the few Star Wars voices I can really nail myself, so that helps my love of him. But I don't know. There was something so lovely about this strange lizard man that gave me an incredible amount of comfort while I sat at my desk finishing off stressful university work. It was that beautiful mix of nostalgia and new, as I thought, yes, I love the other notable badass bounty hunters, but Bosk, he's a bit like me. He likes the color yellow, and he may not be Boba or Bane, but he's weird and cool in his own unique way. I never thought I'd relate to a Trandoshan, but there you go. Ben goes on to say, In terms of a personal memory I remember, 
A newer version of the Lego Slave 1 came out and it came with a Bosk minifigure. And yes, the set was cool and all, but oh my god, it had Bosk. I remember my younger self attempting to sweet talk the lady behind the counter to just let me open a set and just buy Bosk on his own so I didn't have to pay for the whole thing since I didn't have money, which unfortunately didn't work. But after saving up, I got the whole set and loved it, and I spent hours playing out stories of Boba, Bosk, and the other bounty boys going on missions and being cool. And that's Bosk. He's that awesome Star Wars cool to me. You go, Bosk. Great thoughts, great memories, Ben. Great contrast uh, to Kai's uh, concern about the bad snake head man and such a great example about how we can all see things in different ways because of our different life experiences. It's not just what's up there on the screen. It's what we bring to them. For one person, it's a bad snake man. For another, it's your strangely relatable pal, Bosk. And I think I relate to that, uh, that experience of Bosk more. I think uh, my general go-to favorite uh, bounty hunter is almost always going to be Bosk. Embo's really pushing for that crown. I love Boba Fett. I'm so hopeful that he does appear in the second season of Mandalorian, and uh, the various threads of what makes him cool could all come together. I have such hope. But Bosk, uh, Bosk was the one of the action figures that was mine. I've mentioned this a couple times. When uh, my brother and I were growing up, we would get separate action figures, and every once in a while, we would allow uh, one of the other of us to play with one another's action figures, but we kind of had this thing where we sort of claimed not only the action figures, but the characters. My brother was a little older than me. He's three years older, so he, he claimed Boba Fett, uh, and I happily claimed Bosk, and I loved that figure because it was so weird. It was so different. The blaster rifle was entirely different from any other weapon because uh, Bosk has the big weird lizard claw hands. His hands are kind of twisted around weird to hold onto that rifle. No one else could probably ever hold his rifle, at least not in that comfy fit that Bosk could. So there was something about Bosk that was very unique. And I think that has stayed with me my entire experience with uh, Bosk. You know, I later learned that his costume came from the seminal Doctor Who episode, The Tenth Planet, big Doctor Who fan. He is one of my favorite characters to play in Battlefront 2. I love his role in the Clone Wars animated series. I love the ridiculous things he says in Battlefront 2. You, sh- you throw his Dioxys grenades and he says, breathe death. What's not to like? But when I really try to dive down and say, why did he hook me on all those repeat viewings uh, growing up is in Empire Strikes Back? I think it's, it's a part of the magic of the bounty hunters to me is that we have seen the Imperials, and they are very uniform. We know all of our heroes in the Rebellion are a little bit more unique, but we still see them in uniforms or in sort of unified ships. When you see those bounty hunters, and they all have their own different style, they're all totally their own unique thing, there is both the knowledge that, oh, they look like scum and villainy, they look scary and maybe evil and maybe bad, and you would not want to run into them in a dark alley on Coruscant or in real life, but... They have this uniqueness, this personality to them. And there's that strange energy in Empire Strikes Back where you know the Imperials are the bad guys. You know Piet is the bad guy. He is trying to capture Han and Leia and Chewie and 3PO on the Falcon. And then 
he looks up at Bosk and he is judgmental. He is a jerk against Bosk. And you get this almost this contrast between that uniformity of the empire and even maybe a hint of what has been built out in, in larger storytelling of the straight up racism of the empire. And you see Bosk is honestly this guy who's just kind of waving his flag of independence of like, oh, you don't like me standing here on your bridge taking your work because you were too incompetent to do it, Piet? Well, let me hang my naked foot over your data pit and growl in your face. I think that is why I like Bosk, because even though he's clearly a super scary bad guy, a bad snakehead man, he was still growling out for some kind of independence and some kind of defiance. And I think that is why I've continued to love Bosk. Anyway, back to other people's perspective. We have one last entry. It comes from Kyle Barrett. We began with Django and we end with Django. Here's what Kyle has to say. I love Django Fett because, well, he actually does stuff. Sure, we all like the bounty hunters scene in The Empire Strikes Back, but they just stand there looking cool, and even Boba Fett gets little to do while Django fully delivers on the promise of these earlier bounty hunters by actually kicking some butt. Jedi butt, in fact. His fight with Obi-Wan is great and was my favorite Star Wars scene as a kid. Regardless of Django's official status, this was the first and best time we've seen a Mandalorian in action as we witness how all his gadgets and weapons are perfect for fighting a Jedi. Usually, bounty hunters are, as the name suggests, the hunter, but Django finds himself the prey before turning the tables on Kenobi in that brilliant dogfight in the asteroid field. We're also given fascinating personal insights into the character, like how he wanted a son which humanizes him in contrast to many of the other bounty hunters. And if there was any doubt that Django wasn't the best in the business, let's not forget he was personally selected to be the blueprint for the most formidable army the galaxy had ever seen, capable of not just battling droids, but wiping out the Jedi too. These are all great insights, Kyle, and I will add for myself, Django also straight up murdered Coleman Trabor. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. Here's what uh, Kyle has to say about some personal thoughts. The cool armor, no doubt, plays a part in my Django obsession, but so too does the action figure I had as a kid. A removable helmet, two blasters, a jetpack, and a piece of string emanating from his forearm to represent his grappling hook. I loved that figure and feared it lost forever. But a couple of years ago, I brought down a box of old toys from the loft, and there it was. Django was missing all his accessories except for that raggedy piece of string. His armor looked like it had been through the digestive tract of a sarlacc, but as I picked him up for the first time in years, a wave of nostalgia washed over me. I remember I used to have the weird habit of chewing my toys. That's right. I loved Django so much. I wanted to eat him. <laughs> I had unearthed these toys to give to my young nephew, and despite the downright disgusting condition of Django, he too was obsessed with the figure, and so I passed it on to him to play with and maybe add a few teeth marks of his own. Because that's what Star Wars is all about. The generations and legacy part, not the chewing dangerous plastics. Just want to make that clear. That is beautiful. That is a very honest look at how Django affected you. A great a look into his character that 
he's a total badass, but the humanizing aspect of why does he want a son? What's all that about? There's something more going on with this gentleman, and he becomes so cool, so human, that you have to chew on his action figure. I can relate to that. That is a really, really great summary, Kyle. Thank you to everyone who sent in thoughts. It was a nice, good array of bounty hunters and a lot of great thoughts. I I thought when I put this uh, question out there that there would be some toy-related ones, but there'd also be some other life experiences, and I'm really, really happy to see that variety. So many different points of view on bounty hunters, what they mean to us, and why. And I think with The Mandalorian Season 2 coming relatively soon, we're going to have even more bounty hunters to love. So that is it. Many different points of view on favorite bounty hunters, what they mean to us, and why. Thanks again to all who shared. And if you enjoyed this episode, let us know, and we will keep doing them. In the meantime, you can find me on all the social medias at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can check out my other podcast, Obsessed, my comedy albums, future live shows, and that Adult Swim show that I write for, Tigtone. That is all on josephscrimshaw.com. You can like Force Center on Facebook and follow us on Twitter is at Force Center Pod and buy our merch at tpublic.com slash user slash force center you can support our patreon by visiting patreon.com slash force center more fun stuff coming there very soon and of course find us on youtube just go to youtube and search for force center and we will pop right up and before we go here's one final point of view on bounty hunters i've had many favorite bounty hunters over the years. I mentioned a few as we went along. Bosk and Embo are up there. Uh, Boba and Django and Cad Bane are extremely hard to argue with, as is the Mando himself in IG-11. So many great ones. But there are two other bounty hunters that really got fleshed out in the Clone Wars animated series. They looked cool, and they could kick ass, so they had that traditional bounty hunter merits covered. But these two characters were polar opposites. Those bounty hunters are Aura Singh and Asajj Ventress. Aura, we first meet in The Phantom Menace, just hanging out, watching a pod race. But in the Clone Wars show, we learn she is not only a super badass fighter, she is true, actual scum and villainy. She's selfish and cruel and a not-great-substitute parental figure for young Boba Fett. In contrast, we meet Asajj Ventress not as a bounty hunter, but as a deadly Sith apprentice of Count Dooku. She's a great fighter with a rapier wit to match her dual red blades, but then she is rejected by Dooku, betrayed, and orphaned all over again when General Grievous attacks the Night Sisters. So she turns to hunting bounty because she doesn't have a lot of options. But she's already grown so much, she tries to do it with honor with a sliver of empathy. She's trying to do a hard job while also ever so slowly opening her heart, and it only becomes more open as you go into the great story, the great book, Dark Disciple. But between these two, between Aura Singh and Asajj Ventress, it creates this great picture of the bounty hunting profession. When I first saw that motley crew on the bridge of the Executor in Empire Strikes Back, they were a great mystery. They weren't with the Empire or the Alliance. They definitely seemed like baddies, but we didn't know the whole story. And as the great big galactic story unfolds, we learn it's not quite as simple as good or bad. Bounty hunting is, in the immortal words of the client, a complicated profession. And the extremes of that complicated profession were represented to me in the Clone Wars animated show by Aura and Asajj. Thank you very much to those two awesome bounty hunters. Damn, 
I love bounty hunters. Thank you all for listening, and as Obi-Wan Kenobi once said, another happy landing. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com <laughs>